This is the Vandy Sports Podcast on the 440 Sports Network. I'm your host, Billy Derrick. This week's pregame show is brought to you by the Wash House, the Murfreesboro Pure Milk Company, Sutherland and Belk, and the Maynard Nexon Government Contracts Group. Topics on today's show and this season's baseball content are presented by the Murfreesboro Pure Milk Company. They're a family-owned third-generation milk and ice cream distribution company located out in Murfreesboro. A partnership began over 50 years ago with Purity Dairy in Nashville to provide purity milk and ice cream to consumers in Middle Tennessee, and they now serve Southern Kentucky, Northern Alabama, Chattanooga, and North Georgia. Today, they supply grocery stores, convenience stores, and others with purity products, as well as Mayfield, Nestle, and haagen ice cream. For more info, visit their website. That's mpmci.com. Again, that's mpmci.com, and tell them Vandy Sports sent you. This weekend, Saturday night, 6.30 on the SEC Network, it's Vanderbilt at Ole Miss down at Vaught-Hemingway Stadium in Oxford. We'll talk about the initial thoughts of that matchup. Of course, Vanderbilt hasn't played in two weeks. They're coming off a 17-point loss to the Georgia Bulldogs, so uh, we'll we'll dive into the matchup with Georgia. Of course, we start, as always, with our What to Watch For segment with Joey Dwyer. Uh, Some interesting points made by Joey in his piece previewing the matchup of course his five things to watch so we'll dive into that special guest right after joey dwyer former vanderbilt quarterback head coach offensive coordinator grad assistant i mean he is black and gold vanderbilt through and through watson brown joined me for a special 20 minutes or so i think you guys are going to love that interview Uh, we talked about managing quarterbacks uh, the way clark lee has had to do these last couple of years especially when you're trying to build a program. Watson Brown was in this very position as an offensive coordinator and as a head coach at Vanderbilt in in the SEC. And and we also took a trip down memory lane uh, to that 1982 team that he was the offensive coordinator uh, of. So some special memories that I think you guys are going to love hearing about uh, from former Vanderbilt coach Watson Brown. And we close it out with Neil McCready uh, from rebelgrove.com. Does a great job covering Ole Miss. We dive into the Ole Miss perspective, talk a lot about Jackson Dart and his improvement uh, from year one to year two under Lane Kiffin, that Rebel defense uh, being opportunistic this season, and and what kind of atmosphere we can expect down in Oxford on Saturday. But first, today's news. It's brought to you by the Wash House. They are our presenting sponsor for basketball season, which is rapidly approaching. Are you dreading laundry day? Is it stealing time to do the things that you truly enjoy? Well, let the laundry professionals at the Wash House take care of that. For you, with two convenient locations in the greater Nashville area, just drop off your dirty laundry, and their professional attendants can give you back the one thing you can never have enough of your time. Within 24 hours, you can pick up your nicely folded, fresh and clean laundry ready to be put away. Log on to their website that's washhouseclean.com. Again, that's washhouseclean.com, or stop in today and get your time back. Vanderbilt travels to Oxford to play number 12 Ole Miss. Rebels are a 24 and a half. Point favorite 630 kickoff on the SEC network. As I mentioned earlier, Vanderbilt coming off a bye. So, I mean, as a head coach, you're you always feel good about your team coming off a bye. You're healthier, you know, you got some recruiting in, a little bit of uh, rest in as well. So I think the biggest thing for this team was just to rest some guys, get get a lot of those defensive players back healthy. You still won't have guys like CJ Taylor, but you know, you will have Durkey Wright, you will have Kane Patterson, and you're even getting guys like London Humphreys. Uh, back healthy. I don't think we'll see B.J. Anderson, but we haven't seen B.J. Anderson the last few weeks, though. So uh, it'll be interesting to see how much how much this this defense being healthy will affect them, especially against a uh, very very dynamic almost offense. 
Of course, right before that bye week, Vanderbilt lost 37-20 to to Georgia a couple of weeks ago. And, you know, there were some encouraging signs. We've talked about it the last couple of weeks, uh, right? Of course, you lost the game. You don't want to be talking about a moral victory. Uh, but for the Commodores, you know, you were able to find a glimmer of hope heading into the final four games of the season. Starts on Saturday. Uh, we've got five weeks left. we got another bye right before Tennessee. And Saturday night, it's Vandy and Ole Miss. 98th meeting between these two, dating all the way back to 1894. So, again, it's been a fun series. I've seen a lot of really good games, entertaining games. Vanderbilt in 2013 hosted Ole Miss on a Thursday night. The Rebels came into Nashville and, and won off of that Jeff Scott touchdown. And then 2012, I think it was, Vanderbilt went to Oxford and beat Ole Miss with uh, with that Jordan Rogers game-winning touchdown drive in the fourth quarter. So there, there's been some crazy games. There's been some lopsided games last year, 52-28. But Vanderbilt was in that game in the first half. Ole Miss just dominated in the second half. So I think that'll be something to look at. Uh, especially in this matchup. Ole Miss has won four in a row in this series. And Vanderbilt hasn't beaten Ole Miss in Oxford since 2012, that 2012 game I just mentioned. And quarterback for Vanderbilt, Jordan Rogers, he's going to be on the call Saturday night. So it'll be fun to hear from Jordan, Tom Hart, Cole Kubelik there on the SEC Network. In last year's game, as I mentioned, Vanderbilt was up 20-10 to 10 in the second quarter. And you're looking around going, what in the world's going on? But snap back to reality, the Rebels scored five touchdowns in the second half to win 52-28 to in Nashville. This time, Vanderbilt's got to go back on the road, play them in Oxford. And you saw a year before, and I talked about this with Neil McCready. You know, Neil brought up the fact that Mike Wright, at quarterback a couple of years ago in Oxford, competed. That Vanderbilt team was ready to play. Clarkley had them ready to play. That was year one. So it'll be interesting to see how ready is Vanderbilt and is Ole Miss sleepy at all, right? They've got a big game against A&M coming up. And you got to believe they'll be looking ahead. Lane Kiffin doesn't want them to be looking ahead. Uh, but it'll be interesting to see kind of some of that look-ahead factor for the Rebels. Meanwhile, for Vanderbilt, big storyline this week around the program is Ken Seals taking hold of the quarterback position. On Commodore Hour Monday night, Clark Lee said, we're going to stay the course with Ken. We, we appreciate how he's taking care of the ball. We, we've seen enough in the last few weeks to see Ken has stepped forward with confidence. Then on Tuesday, he was asked whether A.J. Swan is still the quarterback of the future. Well, I mean, he, you know, he's back, um, you know, just today. I mean, he, he's, he was um, out for part of practice with elbow soreness. I think he's still battling a little bit of an arm issue. We, AJ's an incredibly talented player. He's young in his career still, and we know his talent. Um, obviously, you know, he wants to be the guy, as does everyone, right? So, I mean, it, it's not surprising that, you know, he, he, he wants that job back. I felt like he really responded well um, in the last couple of weeks in terms of that competition level, obviously the setback today with his elbow, um, you know, but, but he's got all the tools he needs to, to be our number one. Um, you know, he's still refining his process and, and I know he's a great competitor and I know he's going to be going at it. And um, as far as the quarterback of the future, you know, in this time of year, we, we kind of survive or live week to week. So, I mean, um, what we do know is we have, um, you know, a very talented, capable player in Ken. And we've got an incredibly talented guy that's right there in AJ that's been the starter, that's earned it at times, that, um, you know, certainly um, we think can be a guy that uh, that takes this program to great heights. But, um, you know, right now Ken's the one uh, that's, that's putting us in the best position, so that's why we made the decision. 
I think it's interesting. There's a ton of reaction to that move all throughout this week. And it, you know, I'm not saying it has created a stir, but within the Vanderbilt community, there's been a lot of reaction. But that last part that Clark Lee said, Ken Seals gives us the best chance to win. I mean, that's the bottom line right now. Putting Ken Seals out there, if you're Vanderbilt, gives you the best chance to win. I mean, for Ken right now, his his numbers have been pretty solid. He, he made his third straight start of the season against Georgia in 19th of his career. That's a key number. He's made 19 career starts, so he's played a lot of football. Besides the one interception against the Bulldogs, he played pretty well. As I said, he finished with 201 yards, a pair of touchdowns, and that's a third straight game. He's thrown for 200-plus yards and two touchdowns. Now, again, 200-plus yards, two touchdowns, that's not lighting the world on fire, but it's also not – turning the ball over three times. It's not, you know, you know, not helping your team win the game. That's what turnovers have have done for Vanderbilt. It, you, you've, you've taken yourselves out of games. And, and so that's what Ken Seals has done. He's taken care of the football. And I thought it was also interesting how Clark said they're living week to week with the quarterback position right now, especially where this program is, right? You got to survive and live week to week. So right now, Ken Seals is the best, uh, the best option for Vanderbilt. It'll be interesting to see. Do we see A.J. Swan the rest of the season? My gut tells me yes. Uh, just kind of natural you know, instinct at the quarterback position. You're going to be banged up, lose your helmet, whatever. You know, I, I think we will see a little bit of A.J. Swan, but going forward, Ken Seals is the guy, and uh, it'll be interesting to see what else happens at that quarterback position this season. Let's move on to Ole Miss. The Rebels are rolling this season. They've only lost one game, 6-1, and 3-1 and one in the SEC. Of course, they lost to Alabama. Several weeks back, they they won that thriller against LSU, and despite Vanderbilt being zero and four in the conference this, thus far, Lane Kiffin made it clear earlier this week that Clark Lee has his team ready to play each week, so they need to be ready to play as well. Um, I think they've battled some injuries on defense. I think they're really, really well coached. Um, they gave us problems last year, especially in the first half. Um, I think that. You know, they, they do a good job of knowing what they do and what they have and utilizing it. And um, so, you know, we've got to keep improving. We've got to put together a complete game. I know I kind of say that every week, but um, we, we need to do that. And we need to get more players playing well. Um, I think defensively, we've done a good job getting more players involved. Offensively, we've kind of backtracked on that and overplaying players again. And you saw it, with, you know. Um, especially like Trey Harris and some guys playing too many snaps. So Lane Kiffin's got respect for Clark Lee. I don't know a, a single coach in the SEC that doesn't. It's usually how usually how coaches speak. They're not going to disrespect each other. You, you saw high praise from Kirby Smart about Clark Lee and how he has built his program and how he wants to continue uh, to build his program. But these last couple of years, Clark Lee has had his team ready to play Ole Miss specifically. You saw on the road in Oxford a couple of years ago. They they fought for as long as they could. And, and of course, last year, Ole Miss pulled away with a, a career day led by Jonathan Mingo, but Vanderbilt was in that game the entire second half. So I'm looking Saturday night, can Vanderbilt extend that, right? Extend it to the third quarter. And then you get into the fourth quarter, and you're hanging around, right? If Vanderbilt's hanging around in the fourth quarter in this game, I think that says something about the program and their improvement and just continuing to battle uh, throughout this season. For the Rebels, they're coming off a 28-21 win at Auburn last week where it was it was sloppy for the Rebels, uh, but they ended up getting it done. This Rebel offense is stellar, at least I think. Now, I mean, from, from the outside perspective, you know, what, what I've seen, 
is a guy like Jackson Dart leading the way. I mean, this offense is top five in every major offensive category. They're averaging 40 points per game, 480 total yards per game. That's third in the SEC, 291 passing yards per game. They're running the ball really well, and it's all led by Jackson Dart. 18, uh, 1,800 yards on the season, 13 touchdowns, only three interceptions. He's averaging 262 passing yards per game. So he's been lighting it up for the Rebels and 10 yards per attempt, which is third in the SEC. So they're, you know, yeah, you could say, I guess they're dinking and dunking, but 10 yards per attempt, that, that means they're hitting some on some deep shots as well with, with some of those receivers. Oh, and don't forget, he loves to run. He's got six rushing touchdowns on the season. So he's a great runner for this Rebel offense as well. Great running backs. Uh, for for Lane Kiffin, Quinshawn Judkins, nearly 600 yards, seven touchdowns, with its, which is top five in the SEC. Ulysses Bentley, 335 yards, three touchdowns. He's averaging six yards per carry, which is really impressive. They got a couple of really good receivers they like to rely on as well. Jordan Watkins, 536 yards, two touchdowns on the season. Trey Harris as well, who's you know a guy they can throw it to in the red zone, big target. Had that game winning touchdown actually against LSU at home. He's got six touchdowns on the season and a really impressive number for Trey Harris, 22 yards per catch that leads the sec. So Trey Harris has really emerged as one of the better receivers in the conference, not just on this Ole Miss team defensively for the rebels. They're very opportunistic. I mean, they're not, you know, they're not going to blow you away. And they're one of the bottom four defenses in the sec in terms of passing offense and giving up explosives, but they are opportunistic. They, they create takeaways, led by safety Trey Washington uh, with 46 tackles. They got a really good linebacker, Sunterine Perkins, who has three and a half sacks and five tackles for loss, and that leads the team. So uh, obviously defensively for Ole Miss, that, that is what creates a lot of momentum for them. Uh, so they're, they're, they're going to be ready to play on Saturday. We'll see. 6.30 kickoff, Vanderbilt and Ole Miss. You can watch it on the SEC Network. Tom Hart, Jordan Rogers, Cole Kubelik on the call. But first, what to watch for with Joey Dwyer, and then we'll roll into the interview with former Vanderbilt head coach Watson Brown, also played quarterback at Vanderbilt. He was the offensive coordinator of that 1982 team. We dive into just the struggles of building a program, especially as a younger head coach in Nashville at Vanderbilt in the SEC. So Watson has done all of that. We also dive into some of the, the cool memories of that 1982 team. So really, really cool interview with Coach Brown. And then we wrap it up with Neil McCready, one of the best – uh, writers in the SEC covering Ole Miss for rebelgrove.com. So we'll wrap it up with Neil McCready. But first, what to watch for with Joey Dwyer. Kicking off per usual with our what to watch for segment with Joey Dwyer ahead of Vanderbilt's matchup Saturday night in Oxford against the Ole Miss Rebels. It's Lane Kiffin against Clark Lee, Ken Seals against Jackson Dart. Joey, let's get into it. And uh, again, Vanderbilt hasn't played in in two weeks, so we I mean we've we've been off the uh, off the beaten path a little bit here, covering some baseball, covering some basketball. Uh, but ahead of this matchup on Saturday, first thing you've got here and your things to watch. And again, if you haven't uh, gone to VandySports.com and checked out Joey's piece, five things to watch for heading into Vanderbilt at Ole Miss. Go check it out. Vanderbilt's early energy. Joey, Vanderbilt against teams that are favored by a wide margin against them, this season, they, they've gotten off to decent starts. Uh, I thought uh, Kentucky, that was not a good start. But Georgia, great start. Uh, and in the past, last year, you go back to Ole Miss, 
at home. That was a great start. Uh, so that's going to be key here, Joey. I, I don't now. Let's face it. Neither of us believe Vanderbilt likely wins this game, but I mean, I, I certainly think they can compete uh, for for three quarters, maybe hang in there in the fourth. But at the same time, you can't do that without having a fast start early in this game. So the early energy, Joey, I mean, that's huge because if you don't, you get down early and then people start to start to uh, you know reconsider whether or not they want to play with effort. Although I don't think that really happens much with this program. Yeah, another one that I'm glad you brought those up because I think they have had a little bit of a pattern, I guess, against the better teams on their schedule starting fast. Another one comes to mind is actually their biggest road test earlier in the year at the Swamp. They were in that game for maybe not a whole lot of time, but made some big plays early that kept them in the game for a while and had some nice energy early on against that big crowd. So I think there's reason to believe that maybe you can see them kind of step into the moment a little bit early. Wake Forest, they obviously didn't, and I think that was another big road test. So you never really know what you're going to get with this team. Obviously, it hasn't converted into wins a whole lot, but the early energy they showed against Georgia and against Mizzou a little bit, against Florida, I think shows you a lot of things about uh, this team and maybe the direction it could head next year. I think seeing how it comes out of the bye week and how it responds to that time off, whether it looks like a fresh team that had a bye week and now is out of it, could be something that gives you a lot of optimism that Clark Lee has the locker room and has something that's going in the right direction. If they come out of this bye week looking flat and looking like they still wish they were on the bye week, though, I think you kind of question some things around the program. So it's more so about intensity and energy level to me rather than are they up 14 to nothing because I don't think they're going to be up 14 to nothing. I think they could be down 14 nothing and you could still have some signs as to whether they come out with energy and maybe it could still be shined in a somewhat positive light. So energy is going to be a big thing for me early. I think Billy and I have it this morning. I think we're gritty. We're ready to go. We'll see if the Vanderbilt <laughs> football team is on the same path as us. We do have a star here. Uh, he's wearing blue. So Vanderbilt no. needs to kind of match that. CJ Taylor's not going to be out the field. So they're missing their Billy Derrick on defense. We'll see if they can account for it. <laughs> Stop it, Joey. Stop <laughs> it. Um, but no, you talk about the early starts and, and and I think pass rush is a big part of that. If you can, if you can get Ole Miss's offense off the field early, you know, try to try to disrupt some of Jackson darts rhythm, uh, try to, uh, I mean, Quinshawn Jud- Judkins is a great running back. Uh, Ulysses Bentley, they've got, they've got weapons everywhere. Trey Harris is a, is a beast at receiver. Uh, so if you can get that offense, their, their first few possessions off the field early, get some momentum, maybe a takeaway early in the game. That changes a lot of the complexion, at least of the first half, right, Joe? I mean, you saw last year. I know you weren't covering football last year, but that Ole Miss game, Vanderbilt was up twenty to seventeen at the half. Mm-hmm. So they, you know, they were fighting, they were hanging in. Of course, uh, Mingo, Jonathan Mingo, just went off in the second half for Ole Miss and and ended up winning that game. But I, I look at defensively, and I like how you mentioned in your second thing here, their pass rush had a little bit of a breakthrough against Georgia. Now, they weren't world beaters, but I think they finished with three sacks uh, against Georgia. So you saw Nate Clifton get in there, a little bit more active. Uh, Wataha was also in there as well. So, Joey, that that's what I'm watching. I, I, I'm glad you said that because moving towards the offseason and into next year, you you've got to create more of a pass rush. I thought I thought they did against Georgia, but you got to keep that going against Ole Miss on Saturday night. Yeah, Georgia was an encouraging game in terms of the pass rush. Their defense is obviously 
frankly not great. I mean, they're probably ranked what? Billy, what are they, 120 in the country in defensive ratings? Something yeah, like that. down there. So you're kind of grasping at straws here with trying to find real positives in terms of their defense. But where I can kind of find one is their young pass rushers. Darren Agu has kind of not lived up to my expectations this year. Issa Wataha has been quietly really good at times. Miles Capers was even good against Georgia. Uh, Linus Zunk has done some good things. So to me, it's more so about those young pass rushers. And if they can kind of take a step forward in these last four games, I think you have something to build on going into next year. And that's really where I'm looking here. I think that game, just because they're young, could maybe actually serve as a breakthrough. Maybe not. As, maybe it's not just a fluky game. Maybe it's a confidence point for that group that maybe they can say, hey, we can compete with Georgia's offensive line. Why can't we do it with Ole Misses? And maybe they can take a step forward throughout the last four games. So that's kind of what I'm looking for here. I think it's going to be really crucial to keep Jackson Dart in the pocket. And I think that's going to be really difficult. But if you can kind of get to him and make him uncomfortable a little bit, I think that makes it easier on a lot of the rest of your guys. You're going to have the Ricky right backs. Maybe he makes some plays, but you'll be without CJ Taylor, who I think is maybe their best player on the entire roster, not just on the defense. And uh, it'll be really interesting to see how they account for that. I think that starts with the pass rush. On the flip side, Joey, offensively, your third thing to watch is explosive offense, right? Can Vanderbilt unlock some explosiveness in its offense? And early in that Georgia game, you saw London Humphreys, his uh, his 49-yard touchdown. Jade McGowan had one of his better games against Georgia, five catches, 58 yards. Shepard only had one catch, but it was, it was a heck of a catch. You saw Richie Hoskins get in there, a couple of catches. Skinner had a couple of catches. So, in that George game, they 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 spread they they spread the ball around, right? And I think that's that's what they want to do. Ken Seals is the guy. I mean, he he he's going to start against Ole Miss, and it felt like Clark Lee, in everything he said, whether it was Monday night at Commodore Hour, Tuesday at his presser, you know, Ken Seals feels like the guy, right? So now if he goes down, of course you got AJ Swan right there. But Joey, I I think there's there's sort of a, a line to get past with Seals, like, yes, he can move the football, right? I, like, I, I think Seals has something to prove that he's not just a game manager, right? He's not just a, a slow-the-pace-down type of guy. Now, I think that's what they want to do, and it's probably what they should do with, with with the personnel they have. But, Joey, I'm interested to see Seals' continued development. That Georgia game, I thought he made some throws that we hadn't really seen up until that point. And now you got a couple of weeks – to get ready uh, for an Ole Miss team on the road, and let's see what Seals brings. I mean, you know, he's a veteran kid that that's played a ton of football. Let's see what he does down there. Let's see it. I think Ken Seals has some capability to make big plays. They've had explosive plays under him. You saw one Humphreys play. Even against Mizzou when he came in the game, Junior Sherrill made a play down the seam that was a really nice throw by Seals. So I think yeah. it's there somewhere. Will Shepard had the 85-yard touchdown against Florida, which I think was more – Will Shepard than Ken Seals, but I think there's big play capability in there. And the narrative always has been Swan's the big play guy. Seals can do it a little bit too. I think he's got to show that a little more consistently though down the stretch here. I think if if Seals can do that, he is unquestionably the guy in my mind. I think that's really the only area where I kind of lean towards Swan as the big playmaking ability, but Seals has the ball control like you mentioned. He's able to manage the game better than Swan is able to. So if Seals can kind of get himself out of that just game manager, ball control, slow it down type quarterback narrative. I think he could be in really good shape heading into the offseason, heading into next year. He has two years of eligibility left. I wouldn't rule out him coming back next year and 
pushing for being the starter. So I think Seals has a lot to show you through the next four games, but you've seen encouraging signs. If he can take that next step into being kind of more than a game manager and more than a we want to only lose by 10 quarterback, we want to win the game quarterback, I think yeah. that's the next step for him. And maybe that could start Saturday against the Ole Miss defense that has given up some explosive plays, obviously mm-hmm. hasn't been awful. I think what they only give up 24 points to Alabama and seven points in their opener. So not an awful defense, but also gave up 49 points to LSU. So they're they're capable of giving up some big plays, I would say. And Vanderbilt has the receivers to – kind of do that it's up to Ken Seals to manage that offense in a way that isn't just a slow it down game managing type style though I think something a lot of fans are forgetting about this uh these last four games Joey is that this team is is going to be fairly healthy uh Dariki Wright should be back against Ole Miss Kane Patterson uh, should be back uh you know it just just said Dariki Wright but I mean you've got guys defensively that are going to be back there to help you Savion Riley uh, will be back. Unfortunately, Gamarion Carter is out indefinitely. Uh, he hasn't played a ton, of course, but Clark did say that on Tuesday. Of course, Taylor is doubtful, likely not going to see him. Grayson Morgan on the offensive line uh, is back. So I think this might be, maybe not Ole Miss, but when C.J. Taylor gets back, whether that's Auburn, South Carolina, or Tennessee, that'll be the healthiest Vanderbilt's been. Right? I'm not going to say it yet because Taylor's not back. But them getting healthy, Joey, I think points to a little bit of hope, right? I mean, you're two and six, you're 0 and four in the conference. You know, part of our job is to find hope for, for fans down the stretch of the season. I think that's part of this, right? I, I think getting healthy defensively, they've been banged up all season defensively. Uh, and, and you hate it for a lot of those guys. You hate it for the staff uh, because they've had to work their way around that. Uh, and it's not easy in year three where you got to throw these inexperienced guys out there uh, on on islands, you know. And, and so it'll be interesting. I, I I did hear Clark say B.J. Anderson is still out. Uh, I, I want to say I didn't get an official update. I'm sure you'll get one from Clark today, Joey. But they're getting healthy uh, somewhat, right? They're probably not as healthy as they can be. But I think that's a big step, you know, in the right direction, Joey, to at least get these guys back. Totally. A defense without Dericky Wright and C.J. Taylor is trouble. A defense with only Dericky Wright, not great, but also not bad, especially when you add in Kane Patterson being back, Martin Knight being back. Dericky still won't be 100%. I think Clark Lee. I don't think he'll be 100% the rest of the year. I think we figured out. Um, But it's better than B.J. Anderson's case where it seems like he might not be around the rest of the season because of the groin issue, and he was sick earlier in the year as well. So a lot going on there, but – feels like Vanderbilt has some pieces now defensively to where it's not while wow, they're really undermanned. It's more like they're missing their best player, but also they have a lot of other pieces that can make some things happen. I think turnovers will be a thing to watch here. The big equalizers when you play a ranked team on the road are explosive plays that shut the crowd up and turnovers that shut the crowd up. And I think Vanderbilt has capability to do both of those things, and that's just the reason why maybe you think they could stay in this game. Learning how to win is a different thing, and winning this game is an entirely different thing than staying in it. But I think if there's a path to them having any chance to win this game, it's through explosive plays and it's through turnovers, and I think they have guys who can force turnovers now. So we'll see, Billy. I don't expect them to be in this game for a whole lot of time. I think Ole Miss is really good, and that's a tough environment to play in, especially 6:30. However, they have some pieces, and they've had the same pieces all, all year, and we've seen some of those pieces make plays, just not consistently. You mentioned the environment, Joey. Oxford, 630. 
it'll be on the SEC network. Uh, they got uh, everybody loves that broadcast crew. Jordan Rogers uh, on the call, Tom Hart, Cole Kubelik, uh, phenomenal crew doing that game. But I don't think this will be as re- like if this was Tennessee, this is Auburn rolling into Oxford. <laughs> you know, this would be a rowdy environment. It might be a little bit sleeper because you know you got Vanderbilt coming in, twenty-five point favorite for Ole Miss. Uh, so it'll be interesting to see how revved up and and how juiced up the crowd is, and how does that affect the players, right? If the crowd is kind of late arriving, a little sleepy, does that affect Ole Miss's players, and and do they sort of take on the persona uh, of their crowd? I think that's going to be interesting to watch. And how does Vanderbilt take that and say, "Hey, they don't care about us. You know, they're not excited for this matchup. Let's let's go take it to them." Right. I, there's some interesting dynamics there, although I could be totally wrong. Maybe Ole Miss comes, you know, their crowd show, shows up fired up and, and ready to roll. But, you know, that, that's interesting you say that about the crowd, Joey. And how does that impact Vanderbilt, of course, offensively, snap counts, stuff like that. But if it's a little bit sleepier, how does that impact Ole Miss and their players? Yeah, we'll see. Can Vanderbilt come out and punch another team in the face early on? I'm not going to be one to guess that they will because we haven't seen enough evidence of it this year. But if Vanderbilt can do that two games in a row against two of the better teams on their schedule, man, would that be a confidence booster that Clark Lee has the locker room and they're heading in a positive mm-hmm. direction. He can get them revved up for these games. Billy, that's a great point about Ole Miss's crowd. I don't really know what it's going to look like. They might just stay at the frats for that game. Who knows? But <laughs> Yeah, I heard it's a long walk from the Grove just to get up into the stadium, so... There might be some people sticking around their tailgates. <laughs> yeah. Billy, also, we got to factor in that we'll be at the baseball scrimmage and we are not traveling for this game. So how does that impact Vanderbilt? I don't know. I think if you're missing if you're missing your C.J. Taylor and uh, I guess one of your walk-ons, then <laughs> you're in tough shape. Hey, I'll say this, Joey. You know, we'll be at the baseball game. We might be sleepy. <laughs> Watching innings game. a lot, especially once all the freshmen get in there. <laughs> no, in, in all seriousness, though, I'm, I'm excited for that baseball scrimmage, uh, Vanderbilt and Wake Forest, 1 o'clock, uh, two of the better programs in the country. You'll get a chance at, to see uh, Chase Burns for Wake Forest, all of Vanderbilt's arms. Uh, so you get to a lot, see a lot of pitchers, a lot of, a lot of heat. So it'll be fun. So if you do want to go to that scrimmage, it's at 1 o'clock, and then maybe head back home, uh, You know, maybe not stay for all 18 innings. We'll see how the weather is. Uh, and then you go home, watch Ole Miss Vandy at uh, at 6:30 on the SEC network. So, uh, we'll be doing that and we will have content uh from an interesting place. Uh we'll uh we'll stay tuned for that uh for all that coverage, but we'll figure Joey, it out. <laughs> we'll we'll figure it out, but uh yeah, content rolling through this week. Uh Joey will talk to Clark uh today and uh we'll have that rolling. But Joey, thanks for taking the time, brother. Thank you. Rolling along with our Vandy Sports pregame show, Vanderbilt and Ole Miss coming up Saturday, 6.30 on the SEC Network. And joining me now, former Vanderbilt coach Watson Brown. And uh, Watson, I really appreciate you taking the time. And and I, I wanted to have you on because, you know, I've had Norman Jordan on. I've had Kevin Ingram, Andrew Allegretta, uh, all kinds of different people that, uh, you know, work yeah. with Vanderbilt now. Um, and it's good to get a kind of a different perspective. Obviously, you as a former coach, familiar with with the program, the area. Obviously, college football has changed a lot since you got out of it. Uh, but I want to start with managing quarterbacks. And and obviously, these last couple of years, last year with Vanderbilt, you saw, and we've talked about this, Mike Wright. You saw a little bit of A.J. Swan this year. Now you're seeing a little bit of Ken Seals, a little bit of A.J. Swan. And, and now feels like Coach Lee has 
has officially named Ken Seals as the guy moving forward. We'll see. I mean, I'm sure you, I'm sure we'll see AJ Swan eventually uh, again the rest of this season. But when you look at managing quarterbacks, coach, and connecting them to your career, uh, but looking at Vanderbilt this season, you got a veteran guy like a Ken Seals, and you've also got a younger kid like an AJ Swan. What is that challenge? And and kind of put me in the in the meeting room with those guys. And and how how do you manage that when you know they're both capable, but they've got different skill sets, they've got different strengths and weaknesses. How do you manage that as a coach? You know. Um... It's amazing, Billy, it's because I went back as a player there as a quarterback and didn't start the year as a freshman. We, we couldn't play with the varsity, and so we had a freshman team, and we were really, really good, and I was highly, highly recruited. And, and we went 5-0 and as freshmen, and then when a, as a sophomore, when I could first start playing, I did not start the year as a starter. I returned punts and kicks. With, with Doug Matthews, who was my roommate on yep. the road. And then I took over, I think, in game three and uh, and then was the starter from then on. So and then coaching them through all these years and and uh, and being at Vanderbilt as a as a GA offensive coordinator and then as the head coach through 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 all the Vanderbilt times. And it is it's different. And I think the one thing that has never changed is. It's still when things are good, the head coach and the quarterback get credit. And when things are bad, the head coach and quarterback get credit. So as as Clark has had to deal with this quarterback situation, you start the year with a high-profile guy that was pretty highly recruited and picked Vanderbilt to, to come in and, and, and to play for and um, and then and then they got a guy that had started before that's kind of the backup had been there a long time and it's not easy and uh, and then it's when they 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 have those rough games where people thought they might win and then they lost who does it go to it goes right at the quarterback in a lot of ways and I think it's in and, and to the point of he ended up getting benched whether he was injured whatever. Whatever that was, uh, the Vanderbilt coaches know all that. We all don't. Um, to then starting the older guy, and it's tough. And the one thing I think is very important is to find a way to make sure that young guy, that high-profile guy, doesn't feel like this is all his fault. That does, that they lost some games, maybe that they 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 should have won. And uh, uh, I think that is very important for Clark to do that. I'm sure he did. And then uh, keep him involved, keep him ready to go. Don't let his spirits get down. I think it's more critical to deal with him than it was to deal with putting Seals in as the starter. And uh, I promise he's done all those things. Coach, we talked uh, kind of off fair. I remember a few weeks ago, and and you know we talked about Vanderbilt's offensive line last season. You look at the offensive line, you know it, it, it's like the issues didn't pop up as much. You know you had a running back like a Ray Davis, and you basically had another running back quarterback like Mike Wright, who could uh, you know I mean he ran a couple of times for over 100 yards. Ray Davis, you're seeing what he's doing now at Kentucky, but all of a sudden, you know you shift offensive mentalities. And you know, you go to more of an RPO run scheme, uh, and of course, you know you're familiar with with, with that scheme. And, and I mean, that's that's what everybody's doing now, right? Everybody has at least some semblance of the RPO run scheme within their offense. 
But we talked about the offensive line and, and Watson, when you don't have uh, when you don't have as good of an offensive line as you'd like to have, at least right now, it makes it tough on the OC, right? Makes it tough on everybody. But as an OC, and I remember asking you this, I've asked this to to several people. As an OC, when you don't have the guys, the the horses, they like to say up front, and the offensive line to do what you want to do, it's tough. How, how do you what What are ways to negate that as as an offensive coordinator, especially at a school like Vanderbilt? You've been see, you've been a coach, you've been a quarterback. So h- how do you do that as an OC, especially at a school like Vanderbilt in the SEC? Well, the first thing you have to do at Vanderbilt is try to try your best to get players as good as who you're playing. And that's the goal. Recruiting is the key to the whole thing. But till you get there and you're, you're not good enough yet, you do what they did a lot last year to me. And that's how right. they got a really good running back that they used well in Davis. And, and then you use Mike Wright or as, the, as a runner. And, and throws, but he's also a runner. So you've got a two-headed monster in the backfield. And then you tinker around with that. When you run your quarterback, you've got an extra blocker. On any defense they put up there, you've always got one extra blocker on their looks. And uh, so that was big last year. And I think also last year, those were your two leaders of the team. Right. And when both of those guys are gone now – now you've gone much younger, number one, and hunting new leaders, and number two, you've completely changed your style, which they had to. You you, you don't have that running quarterback anymore, um, and you don't have that stronger, bigger back that can run over you or run past you, and he's proved that at Kentucky. And uh, so losing your leaders and then having to change your style, I think Billy takes a while, and it's tough. It's hard. So then when you go to this more in the box, do this, out numbers in the box, do this, less numbers in the box, do this, that leads to the RPO issue, which is all the heat on the quarterback to know when to throw it, when to run it, whatever. That's putting even more pressure on him. And I think it when you try then with an offensive line that's not as good, and then people don't put them in the box as much, and you can't run it when they've got five in the box or six in the box. Ooh, now it's really hard because now you got to try to drop back and throw the ball. I always thought when you're playing with inexperienced quarterbacks or not a great offensive line, you got to do two things with that quarterback. Number one, you got to throw real quick, quick, non read type throws. I'm going to flip it to the flat quick. I'm going to flip it to a, a shallow crosser quick. Something of that mode. You've got to throw quick throws or you throw it deep. You've got to stay away from those high-low inside throws where you're running square ends, and if he's covered, you dump it down. Honestly, Billy, those throws take longer than a deep throw takes. A deep throw, you maximum protect and you throw the ball up and let the guy go get it. So it's out of his hands in less than three seconds. And those little short throws I'm talking about, and there's a thousand of them you try to come up with. Uh, they're out of your hands in less than three seconds. Anything 2.75 and up is putting a lot of pressure on your offensive line, and it's going to get your quarterback hit a lot. So they're trying to deal with those things because of the change of offense that they had last year. 
Coach, we got a question uh, yesterday in our mailbag in regards to get what offense, what type of offense right now with Vanderbilt, right? Every team's different, but with Vanderbilt right now, where they're at, right? You've got a veteran quarterback and Ken Seals, uh, you know, run, the offensive line hasn't performed up to their capabilities. You don't have Ray Davis. You've got some good receivers though, right? I mean, you, you know what they've got at receiver. We had somebody ask, what gives us our best chance to win? Being aggressive, pass first, up-tempo on offense, or trying to shorten the game and control the clock? And and we had uh, we had Luke Wyatt on uh, on Wednesday, and, and he brought up your offenses at Vanderbilt, right? High scoring. Uh, it, it was fun to watch, right? I mean, you know, you, you might lose 42-38, but, it, you know, you had some fun, flashy plays. It was entertaining. But you've also seen offenses at Vanderbilt that, you know, they shorten the clock. You might win 14 to 10, right? So, so, and it might be hard to answer this with this team right now, but with where they're at, what, what's your best guess on that? Well, you got, in my opinion, where they are right now, I, I've done both. Matter of fact, I did both at Vanderbilt, and Luke can go back and remember this. When I brought Steve Sloan in, the, I was only never the call in plays as a head coach twice. One year, UAB with Pat Sullivan and one year at Vanderbilt with Steve Sloan. And when Steve came in, we ran the, we ran the wishbone mm -hmm. and shortened the games. And uh, so I did both at Vanderbilt. If I was going back, I think you got to score points to win at Vanderbilt. You're never, in my opinion, going to be just outstanding on defense. Uh, it's, just, it's just not going to be. And you can be good on defense. But I think you've got to score 30 or more to win in the SEC in today's game. And and so I would be more thinking in that mode. I don't think you can shorten the game right now because they, they, they're not good enough to run the ball. And so what needs to happen, though, for them to pass it better, they've got to – I know Coach is working on this. They've got to find a way to run the ball better, Billy, here in the last mm – -hmm whatever, four games, say four or five games they have left. they got to find a way to run the ball better. Come up with anything. I don't know what you come up with, but come up and find uh, down block plays, quick trap. I don't care. Find a way to come up with 125 yards a game rushing. And uh, they've got to do that because if they can't run it better than they are and then they put more pressure on that passing game, and then you get in these long yarded situations and they're just not capable of handling that. So my goal right now as an offensive guy, if I'm at Vanderbilt, I, I find a way to throw short passes and deep balls and I find a way to run the football better than they're running it. I don't care how, reverses, anything. I'd come up with saying somehow we have got to make first downs running it more than we do and, and also then they're not just thinking pass, pass, pass when they play us. They got Ole Miss Saturday, Coach, and, and, and tracking a lot of Clark Lee's teams, they play a little bit more feisty on the road. It, it, it almost feels like that, and I've seen that with a lot of Vanderbilt teams. I don't know if, if a lot of your teams were like that where, you know, you get away from home and, and you, know, you play with a little bit more of a chip on your shoulder, and, and the home crowd, you know, say, for example, they got Tennessee coming in, they'll probably be a little bit more revved up for it. But when you got Vanderbilt coming in, you know, there may not be as many fans you know, revved up, excited about that game. That might be an advantage. But from your experience, go taking your team on the road in the SEC, you know, keys to victory, you got, you know, basic cliches, establish the run, create takeaways. Uh, but when you take your team on the road in the SEC, especially at a school like Vanderbilt, what have you found that 
you can use for your team to say maybe light a fire under them and say, hey, guys, look, you know, we got nothing to lose. Let's let's go shock the world. What are we, 25, 30, 35 point favorites or underdogs? Not certainly not favorites. What 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 have you learned, especially at your time at Vanderbilt, that that works with some of those kids? Well, it's a it was a little different for me when when I was there. We were we were selling all the way up to twenty six thousand season tickets. So we we had better home crowds. You didn't have the Titans in town. You didn't have the Preds right. in town. Uh, we had a lot of walk up Vanderbilt fans that just loved the program. And uh, so it was a little different, but we'd still have those games where you play Tennessee or you play Alabama and, and they've got as many as you have. Now they got more in a lot of ways. And I thought the, the most demoralizing thing for my kids was you're playing at home and the other team has as many as you got or more. And I always said, Lord, I, I think I'd rather play Tennessee on the road as at home. Right. Uh, because you you kind of go on the road and 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 I'll, I'll there's two pieces about the road. The road nobody ever thought you'd win a road game. So I mean you just go and prove them wrong. That was that was the goal to try to do that and just just prove them wrong. And um, and the second thing was I never talked about 35 point underdogs, 28 point underdogs, anything like that. I said here's what we have to do to win a game. And I'd always say, we don't have to beat Alabama seven out of ten times. We only got to beat them one out of ten times. Let's go play our style, do it good, do everything we know that we do well, and let's see if that'll win the game. Let's get in the fourth quarter. I always talk about fourth quarters. We want to be there in the fourth quarter because if the when the fourth quarter, who's the heat home? The heat's on the 35-point favorite, dude. It's not on the one that's the underdog. So get yourself to the point that they feel it. And they say, uh-oh, we, we better finish this off and, and go win the game. And the longer it goes and the longer it goes and you're still around. And uh, so the I more, think that's The more it. they I, think. The more, they, the more the heat gets <laughs> under, under them and right. they feel it. I'm talking about your opponent. But, and your kids now have gained – two things happen when you get to the fourth quarter. They feel the heat. You've gained confidence. And so we'd work our tails off to try to get to that point. But that was home our way. And uh, I think it is tougher now with all the things and the, and, the, and the the Vanderbilt crowds aren't as good as they used to be. And I think it's harder on the kids to come out of that locker and feel that. And, and Coach, we, you deal with that. Um, and the only way you're going to get it better is you got to win games to see if they'll come more to you. But uh, I, I just don't think home and away is the issue as much as here's what we got to do to win. And you can get on an airplane, come home. If you didn't do your pieces to win, you had no chance to win. The, the, it's, it's a smaller window for the Vanderbilt kid than it is the Alabama kid. And, so you've got to do your pieces. And if you don't, it's easy to know why you lost. You can look at them and see. Coach, I want to leave you with this. And I was talking to somebody, I think it was a little over a week ago, uh, you know, and we were kind of talking about the struggles of this team. You know, they're two and six right now. They got four games left. Uh, they got another bye week, right? So, you know, the season's yeah. not lost. As much as some fans are, and fans outside the program might write off this program right now, you know, this has happened before at Vanderbilt. A am I wrong in saying that one of your teams 
won their four out of their last five games uh, in, in a season to, and I don't know if you guys went to a bowl. I don't know the specifics. No. Um, well, yeah, uh, but, but I can, I can, I can tell you the season's never over till it's over. Right. And as a coach, you just, you, you cannot let your kids even think something like that. You just, you just can't let it happen. And uh, the comp- competitiveness of what you're doing and trying to teach those kids and, and you, you got to let the outside go, man. That, that has nothing to do with what happens within the Guggen Center there. And, and so there is a lot left. And, and I look at it, I can remember back in, for Coach Lee right now to think about how he feels. I remember going into year three, and I can, went into my boss, and I said, we're not good enough. The last two classes – have not been good enough to not, I don't have enough really good players to compete here. Something's got to change for this to happen. I think Coach Lee feels different than that right now. And when my last two years were our best two class, we figured out a way to recruit better, get more kids in school. I'm not going to go into all of that, but man, we figured out a way and the last two classes were really, really good. And yet we won less games in year five. But they, we really had good, good young freshmen and sophomores. I think Coach Lee is right there right now. And his mind, he's not thinking like I was in year three. I'm going to my boss saying, we're not good enough. We've got to find a way to change the recruiting process here and get better players. I think he thinks he has good players. But he's where I was in year five, four and five, He in year three. He's got good players, he thinks, and I think they do have better players. He's got good players, but they're young. And you, you're you not going to win in the SEC, Billy, with young football players. Mm-hmm. You're not going to do it. It's not going to happen. You don't get that good a player. You're getting players up to where you're equal to people, but not when they're freshmen and sophomores. So that he's where my team was when I left. And the next guy came in, he reaped the benefits of that. There were really good young players. Well, I think he can reap the benefits of get through this, win some of these games, get through this, and get an older team. I can remember vividly going to Vanderbilt as an offensive coordinator. And when I went in there and set it in 1981, it was a young team that had good sophomores and juniors on it. And we won, I think, four. And I said, man, these all these kids are coming back. And that's when we went to that first bowl and broke 55 mm-hmm. offensive records and Whit Taylor and Norman Jordan and Alama Matthews and all those really good players. They were all older. Yep. They were seniors. They'd all played. They'd been in the SEC. They'd had their noses bloodied. They knew what it took to win. And and all those pieces you can't just put together with a good recruiting class. So hang on, get better at what you're doing, find a way to win some of these games. Don't get hung up on the uh, – if anything happened, I thought, to Vanderbilt this year, there was too much smoke on how much better they were going to be. I really didn't think that because they're still a young, very, very young football team. And uh, so that's, that's the difference I see. I saw it when I was head coach. In my last two classes, I saw it when I was the offensive coordinator, and I kind of see that now. And you mentioned that 82 team. I'm sure some ears perk up with, with some of that talent. And they, they 
Well, obviously, but I'll, they were all older kids that were winners, right? And they fought through the fight. I mean, you you got winners in Norman Jordan and Alma Matthews, and these are all SEC uh, guys, and Whit Taylor, and and many more. There were yeah. defense. I can name defensive kids. The offensive line had all been there and done that, and got knocked down and got up and gotten bigger and stronger and knew how to play against those defensive linemen from Georgia and Alabama and Tennessee. And I mean, uh, we're playing against the Reggie Whites of the world, man. And that, we're playing against really good players, but we had good players, but we had good older players and mature players and a bunch of leaders on that team. And um, that's, that's where I think Vanderbilt's got to get to. And when you get to that point and you've got those guys and you don't win then, then, then you can throw up red flags. But I, I just I, – I don't think that can happen till you get those guys to that point. Well, and you mentioned the the crowds, the season tickets, the amount of season tickets that were sold, seeing some clips and footages of some of those home games. Whew. I mean, that, it's, no, it looks it like was, a different place. <laughs> when we beat Tennessee in Nashville, they didn't own that stadium that day. And that's one of the very few times that's not been true through history and they didn't own it that day and uh, and they had a lot of people there a right. whole lot but they didn't own the place we we still had every bit as many if not more than they had and and uh that was the case through my time that was a good thing for me is mm-hmm. we still had that at that point but i think through the times and through the, the losing over uh, over a long period of time and then these professional teams coming to town Billy really hurt that really hurt the crowd and they got to find a way to get more and more people in there and, and, and make a commitment. They got to make the commitment all the way around. You're not going to win in the sec. If you don't have a player close to as good as who you're playing and they got to be older, they got to be older players, basketball, maybe baseball, maybe, but not football. You're not going to win with a good player. That's real young. It's just, it's not going to happen. And uh, so Make the commitment to get as good a player as they can get at Vanderbilt, man, as good as you can get, and uh, and then see what you can do. But you got to do all the pieces to get first the player. And then Coach Lee's looking, he's got to look at, am I coaching them the best I can coach them? If you're not, you got to fix that. Am I training them the best I can train them? If you're not, you got to fix that. But it starts with really good players, and it can't just be the head coach. There's got to be a commitment all the way around. No doubt, Coach. We could talk about some of those memories uh, probably for three hours. We might do that at some point in the offseason. But, uh, of course, Vanderbilt and Ole Miss on Saturday. Former Vanderbilt quarterback, offensive coordinator, coach, uh, you name it. Watson Brown, I appreciate you taking the time to join us. Oh, glad to do it. No, happy to close out this Vanderbilt Ole Miss pregame show with Neil McCready from rebelgrove.com. Neil, thanks for taking the time. I want to start. With Ole Miss, of course. I mean, you've been covering them. I think uh, maybe even longer than Chris has. So you, you know, you've been around that program for a while. So let's start overall, right? Come, how how has this team performed compared to your expectations for the Rebels this season? Um, you know, it's kind of hard to even have expectations when there's so much turnover due to the transfer portal. They, right. they had more than more than twenty guys on defense alone out of the portal. Um, heavy, heavy portal program. I mean, you know, so the the tendency to write about like last season and talk about last season, it's always there, but you, you almost had to sort of shun that tendency because 
more than half of the roster wasn't around last season. And then you have a new defensive coordinator and a new mostly defensive staff. And, uh, you know, I, I knew it was a talented team. I knew that they were returning a veteran quarterback in Jackson Dart. They were returning uh, a couple of veteran running backs, including a preseason All-American and Quinchon Judkins. And uh, most of the offensive line was back. And, um, you know, they 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 had brought in some pretty key transfers at some skill spots that they were super high on. And um, no idea really what to expect on defense with all those new faces. Um, I, I thought... Going into the season, I, I my expectation was this was a seven and five or eight and four team, and so clearly it appears that I underestimated them. Um, they've been more resilient and tougher than they were a year ago. Um, a year ago, as soon as adversity hit, they folded. People talk about the mm -hmm. Kiffin stuff to Auburn. I never really thought that was the whole thing. I really thought it was just when it got difficult. They had some, you know, chemistry issues and guys weren't really all that emotionally attached to the program or to the the team. And uh, when when things got tough, they kind of quit a little. Um, and so you didn't know whether that would carry over this year, and it hasn't. Um, they've done a much better job. Lane talked about it this week um, about being intentional about buy-in, about talking about roles, about getting guys to accept different roles. Um, this team has been more resilient. This team trailed Tulane in the fourth quarter. It came back and won. Uh, this team went to Tuscaloosa in a game that was super hyped, a game that they thought they were going to win, and they got pretty much handled in the second half. And um, they bounced back quickly. They played LSU a week later and um, trailed by nine points with about, I don't know, seven, eight minutes to go in the game. and. Uh, that was the moment that for me, I looked at it and I said, well, here they go. They're going to, they're going to lose this one and they're going to have a hard time bouncing back next week. And this season's about to go the way that I kind of thought maybe it would go. And that's not what happened. Um, they drove the field, got a touchdown, got a stop, which was difficult to do that night because Jaden Daniels and LSU offensively are elite. They are really, really, really good. Um, and they got a stop. Got the ball back, scored, got a stop, won. That was the first sign that this team was maybe a little different. And then a week later, they play Arkansas. Um, Arkansas had a good plan for them. Uh, Arkansas took a lead, 12 minutes to go in the game. And you thought, oh, well, maybe this is maybe I maybe last week was kind of a fluke, but it wasn't. They they drove the field, got a touchdown, got a stop, uh, got another score put the game away and then um you know against Auburn they they had really a poor first half kind of shot themselves in the foot had a bad turnover had some stupid penalties stuff like that Auburn gets really loud it was the former coach Hugh Freeze and all that stuff and um you know they dominated the third quarter most of the fourth and and won a 28 to 21 game, even though it really didn't feel that close. There was never really a moment late in that game where you thought, oh, Auburn might come back and win this. It kind of felt like Ole Miss had it under control. So it's a long answer, but I, I think the identity of this team is so different from the identity of maybe his past teams here in that this team is much more resilient and a little more tough-minded and a little more uh, focused on just in the, the the process and the end result as opposed to a lot of the individual stuff that I thought 
maybe ruled the day over the last couple of years. Well, I'm glad you mentioned last year because, you know, last year it did feel like it just kind of folded for Ole Miss and, and, and you know, I don't whether it was quit or, or whatever. Yeah. Yeah. And, and so is there a feeling though this year of, of, of almost waiting for that ball to drop again, you know, waiting for that loss to come? I mean, Arkansas tight, but Ole Miss, you know, there really wasn't much danger there. Auburn, you know, didn't feel, really feel like Auburn was ever going to win that game. Is there a feeling of, of – now, I'm not saying this is going to happen Saturday against yeah. Vanderbilt, but even down the stretch of the season, are, are, is there a feeling of that? Or do you think this team is that much different in terms of their mentality and mindset as, as compared to last year? So I think, they're, I think they're a lot different. Now, look, does that mean they're going to win all these games? Of course not. I mean, you have to also you know look at this team, and they – played a close game against Tulane. They played a close game against Georgia Tech. They played a close game against uh, Arkansas, a fairly close game against Auburn, I guess. Um, you know, obviously very, very close against LSU. I mean, the ball could, the game could have gone either way and, and um, you know, didn't play a very good second half at all against, against Alabama. So, I mean, this isn't, this isn't some elite, uh, you know, world-class football team. Now they're winning and that's what it matters, but, they're not you don't watch them and go wow man this team is unbelievable that's that's not that's not what happens um so you know look could they lose to texas a&m sure of course could they lose at auburn i mean at georgia yeah of course um you know they still have to go to mississippi state and and you know um they, they got to take care of business against vanderbilt they they've they've got they'll beat ulm of course but i mean you know they've got challenges in front of them but if if they lose those games it won't be because they folded it will just be because they got beat yeah and, and right. i think there's a i think there's a big difference like last year you know they they lost at lsu and and is the way they lost like the second half of that game was they got blown out and then uh you know they went to a&m and they won but a&m was a shell of itself and and they really struggled to win that game and they came back and they sort of laid everything on the table against alabama and 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 couldn't finish it in the fourth quarter and then you know they got blown out in fayetteville and they they lost to it was a pretty bad mississippi state team if we're just being honest that wasn't a good state team they were fine and then they went to the texas bowl and they they didn't care and texas tech did and texas tech beat the hell out of them i mean so that's the way the season finished and so you know it was kind of like should they have won some of those games? I mean, maybe, probably, but it was just the fact that they just kind of quits too strong. I don't like that word, but they just weren't super focused. This team will be, if, but you know, if they lose next week to Texas A and M, is it shocking? Of course not. I mean, you know, A and M has some matchup issues. If they go to Athens and 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 get beat, is that a stunning development? That's an indictment on the program. Of course not. Georgia hasn't lost a home game in five years, and. Hell, they hadn't lost but one game in the last like three <laughs> years. So yeah, I mean, you know, I mean, newsflash: Georgia's pretty good. So, um, you know, and they could. It's a it's a rivalry game in Starkville, but I, I think if they lose those games again, it'll it'll be because they just got beat. Let's talk about Jackson Dart, and you know, I've I've been a Jackson Dart guy. I, I think he's he's been uh, he's been good for Ole Miss. Now this season, I look at his numbers uh, and. and I mean, they don't necessarily like immediately pop out as as a you know top you know top one or two quarterback in the league, but he's a top five. I mean, he's a top tier quarterback in the league at least this yeah. season. Ten ten yards per attempt. That one stood out to me, uh, which is third in the SEC. Only three interceptions, so he's he's played clean football. 
Is there a distinct difference between last year Jackson Dart and this year Jackson Dart in your mind? Yeah, I think so. I think he's more comfortable this year, Billy. Uh, he's he knows the offense. Um, you know, people forget last season he was brand new, not only to the South, uh, brand new to a RPO system that he'd never run before. Um, he told me in August we had a conversation. I was just asking him about you know going into this season and. I was like, hey, you, you you look like you're a lot more confident. And he's like, well, I mean, I just, I kind of know things now. I, I can make better decisions because there were times last year where you had to make a decision and it was kind of gray. It's like I was pretty sure I was doing the right thing, but I wasn't positive. I wasn't really sure. Just kind of take a guess. He's not guessing now. I mean, he knows he knows what he's doing. I think he sees the field better. He was only 19 years old last year too. I mean, you know, I mean, he, he was, there was a lot. He, he didn't want to leave USC. He, you know, um, they brought in Caleb Williams, so he needed to leave USC. But he loved USC. He had a lot of friends there. Leaving was an emotional thing. And, um, you know, he's from Utah, and all of a sudden he's in northern Mississippi, and he's playing in the SEC, and he's a new head coach and a new offensive coordinator and a new scheme. And there's a lot. That's a lot to throw at a person and go, okay, oh, and by the way, be awesome. <laughs> all the time don't make mistakes that, that that's a hell of a tall order and and he did a pretty good job with it um but he's better this year he's more confident he's he's more he's just more in command and he's always been tough as nails and he's super competitive and all of those things but he's just able to make better decisions now because i think he sees things better because he has more experience all right let's get into this almost defense you know I, I remember back in the, the hugh freeze days the uh what do they call it? The shark shark two is, I don't know what the, the, the sign uh, was or uh, whatever they, they would do, know. but the land shark <laughs> land shark. That's That was it. So but, uh, <laughs> but now, you know, Lane Kiffin and defense, people don't really think defense when they think of Lane Kiffin, right? You saw the, the high scoring game uh, yeah. against LSU earlier this year, they got the win. Uh, so, I mean, w- what comes to mind when you watch this almost defense, is it, can it be a dominant defense? Is it a leaky defense? Like what, how would you describe this Ole Miss defense? Well coached. Um, that's the big thing that stands out when you watch them week after week is that they're really well coached. Uh, Pete Golding came over from Alabama and has really done a good job. And I thought Lane Kiffin made a great point earlier this week talking about the defense because the defense has kind of won the game against Arkansas, against Auburn. Um, he said, you know, yeah, they got lit up by LSU. I mean, almost 700 yards. It was, it was, and, and when that happens, you you do have to take a look at it, obviously. You have to say what happened, dissect this. But you have to say, and this is something that I think people struggle to do today with all the social media and the trash talk and all that stuff, is to go, hey, LSU's really good. Jaden Daniels is really good. Malik Neighbors is really good. The other receiver, uh, Thomas Jr., I think, is really, really good. Logan Diggs is a strong running back. They've got good tight ends. They've got depth. They've got speed. And again, to be repetitive, Jaden Daniels is having a special season. And sometimes you just get beat. Sometimes it, you don't need to go scrap everything. You don't need to panic. You need to say, hey, we got to clean a few things up, but let's tip our hat. They were really good. They, they, they got us. They 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 won that matchup that night, and they did. And Ole Miss's offense beat LSU that night. Um, 
But instead of panicking and freaking out, they just said, hey, let's let's clean some things up. Let's focus. We're not going to play an offense like that again. Nothing against the teams left on the schedule, but they're not. And they settled in, and they've had two really good games in a row defensively where I think kids are starting to understand the the plan. You asked if they're going to be a dominant defense. No. Uh, I don't think they're talented enough physically, athletic enough to be dominant. Can they be good? Yeah, they can be good. They really can. They can be opportunistic. Um, they can not give up so many explosive plays. Um, they can create some turnovers. They're pretty good at getting to the quarterback when they need to. I think Golding's um, drawn up some pretty good schematics. So, yeah, they can be a good defense. Can they be dominant? No, no, they can't. Um, they're not They're not the 85 Bears. They're not Georgia from last year. Nope, not going to happen. But um, they can be good. They can be good enough to complement the offense and keep them in games and give them a chance to do some special things down the stretch. All right, let's get into this matchup. And, and I know for almost fans, this probably isn't the most uh, the most appealing matchup. Uh, but it is, it is a night kick, a night home kick. And for, for the Rebels, this series with Vanderbilt used to be more even than it is now, right? And on the Vanderbilt yeah. side, Ole Miss used to be that team, one of those teams that you played every year pretty much. I mean, I'm sure, I think there's been some years they haven't played, but most years Vanderbilt and Ole Miss go at it. And yeah. it's been a fun series. Remember 2013? That's the game great Vanderbilt game. fans think about. Uh, just awesome. I mean, crowd was great. And, of course, Vanderbilt under Franklin had a lot of fun games. Now, though, you look at Ole Miss, and they have separated from Vanderbilt and from a lot of teams, quite frankly. Yeah. Yeah. And and them being a 24-and-a-half-point favorite, uh, that's a lot of points in my mind. I, I, I was a little surprised to see it that high, but that tells you how much respect a lot of people have for, for Lane Kiffin and this Ole Miss program. So how do they look at this matchup? And, and how do fans – I mean – like from the Ole Miss fan perspective, are they nervous? Is I mean, is are they coming in here excited? Like what what's kind of the read on this heading in? And then for Lane Kiffin in this program, you saw last year it was a tight, you know, tight in the first half, but then they yeah. you know they just exploded with Mingo having a career day. So what's your read on on this matchup and kind of some of the intangibles, especially maybe a potential sleepiness with the crowd? Well, first I think Lane has a lot of respect for Clark Lee. Uh, the last two years, this game, you know, um, Vanderbilt came to yeah. Oxford November of 21 when Ole Miss was kind of on top of the world a little bit. And um, they had just beaten Texas A&M in a big game. And, um, you know, Vanderbilt came to town and, and Ole Miss was a little sleepy maybe, but Vanderbilt had nothing really to play for. And Vanderbilt played their asses off. And Ole Miss, Ole Miss had to play four quarters that night. I mean, it was never really a moment where you thought gosh Vanderbilt might win this but there were moments where you're like you make something weird happen here and it, it, it could go <laughs> it could go the other way and, and it was a it was a moment where I think you know it was a reminder that you you can't you can't sleep on anybody in this league and uh and then last year like you mentioned I mean look Vanderbilt had a great first half in in Nashville against Ole Miss and then uh, Ole Miss came out and really answered the bell in the third quarter and and the game got away and, and stuff. Mm -hmm. But, um, you know, it was kind of a precursor of things to come for Bandy because they won a couple of games down the stretch that, you know, opened some eyes. They went to Gainesville and won, if I, if I recall, and mm -hmm. or beat them. Or went to Lexington, beat Florida at went home. Went to Lexington, yeah. beat Florida at home, yeah. Won the, won the two games where people were like, oh, look at that. And um, so, look, I mean, let's be, let's be clear, and I don't want to be this – disrespectful to Vanderbilt at all 
this is a spot on the schedule that's a little scary because Ole Miss has played emotional games, Alabama, LSU, um, you know, Arkansas, Auburn, mm -hmm. games that were emotional for different reasons. They've got Texas A&M next week. A lot of Ole Miss people are, 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 are I'm, I've never tried to be the voice of the fan because I don't know. Beats me. I don't. I don't know enough fans right. to possibly tell you what fans think. Um, but you know they're pointing at Texas A and M next week, and they're pointing at the trip to Georgia in two weeks, and going, "Oh, what could be?" Well, you can screw all that up by losing to Vanderbilt, and um, you know, Kiffin clearly knows that. The one thing I've noticed all week is that Kiffin has almost been begging fans to show up to be loud. Ole Miss has had a phenomenal atmosphere. Yeah. Your game, uh, for the Arkansas game. I mean, phenomenal, really. It, it's been, I've covered this beat for a long time and it, it's, it's dramatically different than it really was most of the time that I've been on the beat. Um, are they going to have that same energy for Vanderbilt? I don't know. I mean, they're, they're clearly asking the fans to bring energy. Um, you know, I, I think this is one of those games where the line's way too high. Um, I, I don't, I don't see Ole Miss winning this game by twenty-five points or more. I, I, th I think it's going to be a little sleepy at times, and I, I, th I don't know how focused this team's going to be completely. But um, Vanderbilt typically plays Ole Miss well, and I anticipate that they'll play Ole Miss well again, and that Ole Miss will have to bring it. I, I think Ole Miss is clearly the better team, and I think Ole Miss will win the game. But if you're betting it, I mean, I love Vanderbilt plus 25 points. I mean, that that feels like a much safer bet than Ole Miss minus 25. Because here's the other thing: if you're Ole Miss and you're you're in position to win the game by 31, 38 points, what's in it for you to do that? If you're in that much control of the game, you right, you know what's coming next Saturday at 11 a.m. You know what's coming a Saturday after that. You you've got. You've got other other wars to fight, other battles to fight, I should say, and and you, I think you'd be probably advised to go. All right, we got this one. Let's let's head to the house. So, I, from a betting standpoint, I, I really like Vanderbilt plus the points. We'll see. Six thirty Saturday night, and, and Neil, I'm uh, I'm so mad this this series is ending. Uh, I don't know. Is it? In, I think next year is yeah. when they is when they won't play. And again, I don't think it's been every year, but Ole Miss, I don't know if you saw the tweet they put out. They put out this crazy video of some of the highlight clips of this series and just basically calling it one of the weirder series in the SEC. And it, 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 it has been. I mean, you really like any you, anything goes in, in this series, I feel like. I mean, going back to 2013 and then even uh, when Vanderbilt beat that A.J. Brown Ole Miss team, I think. I mean, it yeah. just you, you never know. No, it was, it's been a great series. I mean, I think they've played every year since I've been on the beat, and I got on the beat in 2008. Okay. Um, you know, I mean, I remember, I, I think if I got this right, Ole Miss lost at home to Vanderbilt, went to Florida and beat Tim Tebow and those guys, and then <laughs> came back and lost to South Carolina. Um, I can remember Vanderbilt beating a couple of Hugh Freeze teams that were some of his better teams. You mentioned that 2013 game. That was one of the best games I've ever covered. That game was amazing. It was. Mm -hmm. You mentioned the atmosphere in Nashville it was awesome yeah. that night. Um, and they've played a bunch of those kinds of games. You know, um, what was his name? Uh, Rogers was the quarterback. Jordan Rogers. Yeah. Yeah. Jordan Rogers led a, a fourth quarter comeback and made a couple of really big plays. 
mm-hmm. uh, to, to win a game. Um, I, I don't remember what year that was, maybe 14 I, or it might have been 14. Yeah. 14 sounds right. Um, yeah. Yeah. I mean, look, things change. And, you know, Texas and Oklahoma joining the league obviously enhances the league. I wish we were going to a nine-game schedule. I think we're eventually going to a nine-game schedule. I kind of do hate to see some of these rivalries like this one stop because it has been fun. And look, if you're, you know, Nashville's a fun place to go visit for a weekend and getting that trip on the schedule every other other year was cool. And so, you know, that's gone now and that's – but that's part of it. You know, there's no way to, there's no way to appease everything and do every, get every rivalry and everything protected. That's not possible, but I do hope they go to the, the nine game schedule where yeah, teams see each other more frequently. Cause otherwise, you know, the thought of like Ole Miss and Vanderbilt not playing for four years or five years, it just seems sort of silly. Like next year on Ole yeah. Miss's schedule, there's no Alabama, there's no Auburn. I mean, I, I've not seen that either. And that's going to feel weird when those games don't happen. Yeah, the no divisions. That God, it's gonna be weird. Neil, I know you got a quick out here, but I appreciate you taking the time. Looking forward to uh, to seeing your coverage and seeing this game, and uh, we'll uh, we'll catch up with you soon. Thanks, Billy. I appreciate it. Thanks, Neil. That'll do it for this week's pregame show. Again, Vanderbilt and Ole Miss coming up Saturday night, six thirty on the SEC Network. This podcast has always been free, and we plan for it to always be free. Here's how you can help keep it that way. Give the podcast a review and a five-star rating. That helps us get noticed. If you are listening and haven't subscribed to VandySports.com, please do. It's $99 a year or $9.99 a month. That helps us tremendously. Secondly, subscribe to our Vandy Sports YouTube channel. That is also free. We've got post-game shows, uh, last-minute thoughts with Joey and I. We will have that Saturday. All kinds of content, press conferences, and things like that. So give us a subscribe on YouTube. And finally, if you're interested in sponsoring the show, email Chris Lee at chrislee70 at gmail.com. Again, that's chrislee70 at gmail.com. Thanks for listening. We'll catch you again soon with more episodes of the Vandy Sports Podcast.